Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is Rabbi Levi Upson, and he and I always enjoy being together, and we really do enjoy your feedback. So please give us some on or any questions on SMS three four five one nine or WhatsApp on zero six two one four eight two three seven four. Our topic today is fake news, uh, loss and horror, and the emotional harm done by both. Um, he's nodding his head like in a bit of shock, I think. <laughs> did, did you think it was just going to be on fake news, Rabbi? No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's take it on. <laughs> now, the other thing I wanted to just start with, I know that um, my husband Leon sent me a a quote and I know he sent it to you and I think for today's times when we live in an age of constant intense news coverage social media wherever we you know it's 24/7 we can't get away from it this quote he sent about our times we are experiencing a reality based on a thin veneer of lies and illusions a world where greed is our god and wisdom is sin where division is key and unity is fantasy where the ego driven cleverness of the mind is praised rather than the intelligence of the heart now what do you think about that quote harsh <laughs> um see one of the things about i guess the difference between you and i is this is the only world i grew up in so for me to sit there saying it was different once upon a time is only based on history books um i think human condition is a human condition um i think what today happens is because of social media we uh, we see a lot more of people's bigotry. We see a lot more more of people's biases. Were people less biased fifty years ago, or was it just kept? You know, if people were racist or anti-Semitic or sexist, were they open about it or were they quiet about it? Today, in a way, at the risk of sounding cheesy, it's almost a gift to actually know what people hold. You can't hide it anymore. And, you know, everything goes out there. And you, you, you could trace back anything somebody said based on their Twitter feed. Did people become less intelligent? Did people become more mean? Again, I'm not, I'm not an historian, and I wasn't alive 70 years ago, but I'd venture to say no. I just think that the conversation of mankind has gone much more global. Once upon a time, there was a few academics writing in newspapers. Today, every time Dick and Harry can have an opinion on a YouTube video, and they control, they could have a Facebook post, they can say their nonsense, whatever they want. And in a way, it forces us to have the conversations, and it also forces us to see the weakness of how so many people are uneducated on basic respect and humanity and decent opinions and how many things that we think are true are actually fake news. Did the world get crazier or were just we being exposed to it more? Because it's interesting. One of the prophecies that says it's going to happen before the coming of the Messiah is that things are going to become very clear. Um, and there's no question that in our age of media and even like in the past few hundred years with newspapers, etc., things are getting much more exposed. Corruption is getting much more exposed. Just think about what's going on in this country. Mm-hmm. If such a thing happened 50 years ago, the, the opportunities of shedding light on the corruption would be much harder. I mean, today, almost every crime will come out and you'll have WikiLeaks or you'll have this other thing that's going to share the information. So in a way, it's a blessing of our time that we're being confronted with the nonsense, with the darkness, Mm. with the pathetic ideas that people have passed over to their children without thinking them through, with the biases and anti-Semitism, etc. And you know, there's um, a professor, associate professor at Michigan uh, Kellogg School. I hadn't heard of it before. His name's Adam Bates. And he maintains that instead of focusing on the role of social media, we should rather focus on social psychology and the bias that stems from our tribal mentality. He says that before addressing our divisiveness, we must understand its roots. And he goes on to say that there's the assumption that fake news exacerbates polarization. But he says he actually believes that um, it's the opposite way around. And I Exactly. I agree 100%. I think that we look around on people 
fake news or the the comments on the social media are sharing what already is. You know, I, I I sometimes go and watch these interesting videos. You know, I don't know if you Prager University these five minute videos or other things, or even sometimes you watch you watch a talent show and you see somebody you know sing, and you see the the malice that people can put into their comments. Mm-hmm. I, I remember a few years ago there was a story about a twelve year old girl who posted a picture of herself, a video of herself, and says, "Am I beautiful?" Now she shouldn't have done that, and but officially what happened was the malice. People said the most disgusting things. Now, yes, social media allows those disgusting things to be said. But what, is it making people more disgusting? Or is it saying how much mean-spiritedness can be in certain people? I'm, I'm not going to believe it's all people. I believe most people that watch a YouTube video don't comment. Or if they comment, they just make a you know, thumbs up if they like it. <laughs> and the people who comment are unfortunately bored souls who are just trolling and trying to create havoc and letting off their own steam and their own insecurity. But still... Don't look at social media and say, God, uh, this is polarizing our world. Look and say, wow, our world is so polarized. And one of the things that in the 50s and 60s in the United States, there was this whole debate about should we have religious education in schools? Should we mention God? And there was a famous Supreme Mm. Court case that God should be taken out. And Lubavitcher Rebbe at the time was screaming. And he would say, when you take God and values out of education, you're raising a generation that has no values. Now, as long as we didn't have social media, we didn't know the values of people. On the most part, all you know is the crazy stories that go onto the, you know, the front page of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, but you don't know people's biases. You'd like to believe there's an homogenous peace amongst people and everyone's getting along. And suddenly you start seeing the dirt and the malice and the chaos and the, 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 the hatred that people have and you start saying, oh, there is hatred without values. People can become mean-spirited. Yes, they might not become ISIS and behead people. But they could behead emotional, emotionally. They could behead um, psychologically. There could be so much mean-spiritedness. And I think the gift of our time is we're being exposed to the core of society. What's happening with that 15-year-old in his bedroom when he's going into the computer? What's he saying? And what's happening, you know, those bar t- conversations that used to happen around the pub, now they're being on the web. And you're like, oh, there's haters out there. People can be mean. People can be mean-spirited. Let's deal with it. So instead of blaming the social media, and I'm not saying social media is, you know, is purely gifted and then it's only peace and love, but it's not that. It's an expose, it's expose. That is the one side of it. The other side is that you're able to say things that you would normally not say if you're looking at per- a person face to face. Because as I'm looking at you, I'm picking up your facial expressions, how you're feeling. I'm, I'm tuned into you. Whereas on fa- on Facebook or Twitter, whatever, I can say what I like, and I'm not going to see the pain I might cause you. But I'm not going to pick up on your body language. 100%. But that's what gossip was for centuries, mm-hmm. millennia. What is gossip? I'm going to talk to you about a third person. So today we're, we're just talking it on, on in a much meaner way because, you know, you could totally shame a person by just putting it. The problem now, it's so much more public. But gossip is always there. Okay? People sat in the bar. They sat at the hairdresser. And what do they talk about? Other people. So that's not new. That yeah. is the, the universe we live in. Unfortunately, now, because of these powerful tools, what I said now to my friend in a coffee shop is now being broadcast to billions of people and can be forwarded. But is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? It's painful for the people who make those mistakes. And I I personally, it's terrifying for me to live in such a world Mm -hmm. because, you know, we're all human and we make mistakes and it's not fair that it has to totally be magnified. But the other hand, it's not creating anything new. Gossip was always there. And gossip, by definition, is me putting myself up on your expense. Yeah. And that is the same thing. And fake news, I mean, has been going on for centuries, actually, as you say. You know, and there was this, there, uh, even on Google, I was looking up fake news, and they were quoting some stories that came out a century ago. What did Gables say? What, uh, you know, Joseph Gables, Hitler's minister of propaganda, what did he say? If you lie l- long enough... And you say it as many times and with as much confidence, people believe you. What do you think the whole Nazi propaganda machine? What did Stalin do with communism? What did uh, so many of the revolutions of the past few hundred years, what was that? Mm -hmm. It's all sharing information that's convenient for you, hiding other information, 
What Stalin, for years people didn't know that he killed 25 million people. Nazis put together the, the uh, one or two camps that were officially well, you know, looked beautiful so that when the people from the Red Cross came and checked out and they say, oh look, this is a concentration camp, it's not so bad. Meanwhile they killed millions of people, six million Jews. That is the story of humankind. I mean. And even there's even a, a more recent one which, which, which was with the Boko Haram and I'll discuss that with you in a minute. Radio that's better than the rest. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we are discussing uh, fake news, loss and horror, and the effect it has on us uh, psychologically. And I have next to me here DJ Flo, and he's keeping us in check, telling us when to stop and stop talking. Thank you, DJ. Otherwise, we would just talk forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted to tell you about um, this, uh, the uh, Boko Haram and Nigeria. Those, those schoolgirls who were kidnapped. There's a TED talk by Stephanie Basario and she was saying that uh, there's also a deadly danger to fake news because you know those girls were kidnapped and the uh, 57 of them managed to escape and jump out of the trucks that were taking them into the forest and, and by Boko Haram terrorists. And they, ra- they ran back home and they reported what was happening. And, of course, the mothers and the fathers immediately went to uh, the hierarchy and told them what was happening and the government and what have you. And the government said it was um, it was fake news. It was a hoax. So nothing much was done to actually find them. And she says that if something was done immediately, if it wasn't put out that it was a hoax, those girls would have been saved. Instead, two years later, she received a a video of some of the girls who were kidnapped, and she showed them to the the mothers who uh, recognized their daughters immediately. And only then did the government start uh, taking you know more precautions, trying to get them back, and they managed to free, I think, 21, uh, 200 are still in captivity. And, and that, is, I mean, think about our government today. You know, the, today is a very big day for democracy in South Africa. Nobody knows how it's going to play out. How many stories have been said? Oh, it never happened. There never happened. There's no corruption. There's no Gupta story. There's no this. There's no that. It's so easy to say it never happened. Mm. It's so easy. Fake news, the denial of what's really going on and trying to manipulate people's minds and trying to hide facts. Gosh, that, that that's the world we live in. And in a way, as much as social media has exasperated fake news, it's also allowed for the expose of it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, these leaks that happened, all the, the emails that came out a few weeks ago and show what's really going on is in a way a gift of our time that your lie will not last forever. Stalin managed to keep alive for years. You know, Mao and China killed 70 million people and the lie lasted for many years. Today, these things come out. ISIS came and within a day, we know exactly what ISIS is doing. And although it's taken quite a few years, slowly but surely we're defeating it. It's not like Hitler, who rose in 1933 and the Allies only started dealing with it once they were attacked seven years later because they didn't believe it. It's not really true. They are tormenting the Jews. They're not tormenting the Jews, etc. So... If I had to, between me and you, if I had to choose between the challenges of the time we live in with the social media fake news versus the gifts, I would still choose today because it allows us to confront it. We're forced to confront the darkness that, by default, us humans have. You know, I thought about it yesterday. I caught myself sharing something not nice about the person. I'm a human being. And I thought to myself, after that, I was so embarrassed it was unnecessary. I'm not even intimidated by the person. Why did I have to put him down to somebody else? But we all, or almost all of us, are prone to that. Mm-hmm. So all we're doing on social media is we're exasperating that thing. But that human condition, our neediness to feel good on your expense is the human weakness unless we build up a healthy self-esteem, unless we are willing to commit to be proud of who we are and not on somebody else's expense. And it's a story we've shared many times. But it's a beautiful story that... Um, there were two young children who were playing in the yard, ch- children of a great Hasidic master. And the older brother at some stage pushed, pushed his younger brother into a pit. And the younger brother starts screaming and the father hears it and he comes outside and he turns to the boy, he pulls him out of the pit and he turns to the older brother and says, why did you push your younger brother into a pit? And the older brother says, he's younger than me, but he's taller. 
So I pushed him into the pit so I could be taller than him. <laughs> and his father said, next time you want to be taller, climb on a chair. Don't push him into a pit. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely And it's story. a great story because uh-huh. that is what we do. That is Lush and Hara. That is fake news. That's the, the negative comments. That's why we sit around Shabbos tables and we just sacrifice human people on the table talking about others. What is that? It's our inability of putting ourselves up on a chair and saying, the reason I'm good has nothing to do with how bad you are. Mm. I'm good because I'm good. I'm good enough. Not because you're bad. You know, I'm a good guy, not because you're a terrible person. Mm. I'm a good guy. Absolutely. You know, it's funny you should say that you have watched yourself. I've also been watching myself this last week, knowing that we were coming on this show doing this. And I have caught myself a few times really listening to juicy gossip, you know, and, and actually enjoying it and forcing myself to walk away from it. And, and it's been disciplined, you know, it's walking tough. away. It's tough to walk away when it's really sounding very interesting. But I've also noticed what happens is that someone starts telling a don't tell him type story, you know, or her a type story. Between and, me and you. Yes, between you and me. Me and you. And suddenly you get between you and me between like eight people. And so it builds up. And the, the, the speaker, the person, um, re- relating the gossip becomes a focus of attention and, and, and really enjoys that. And they become very cool. Absolutely. They're accepted suddenly, you know. But the truth is, once they're finished, what do you tell yourself mentally? I'm never going to share a secret with this person. Exactly. <laughs> and and that's what I try and, and put across to my children and my grandchildren, that if someone is talking about other people all the time, be absolutely sure to realize that they'll be talking about you pretty soon too. Hmm. You're not going to a be... A backstabber is a backstabber. Absolutely. You're not going to be exempt from that. And you're right about that. Their insecurity will play out on you. Mm. It's just right now you're the one that they need to build off your affirmation of them. So therefore they'll share about Sarah. But then they might need to, Sarah's affirmation, so they'll talk about you. Mm. But the sages say that the actual, there are three people involved in gossip. It's the, the, the speaker, um, the, the, the person that's being spoken about, and the listener. And the the worst is the listener because they have the choice. The speaker's already started speaking. The person being spoken about is out of the equation right then at, at that time. But it's the listener who has the choice to say, I'm not listening to this, and either stop it or walk away from it. It takes so much courage. It takes so much courage. Rarely have I seen the people that have the character trait to do it, but when you see it, it's so impressive. Mm-hmm. Person gets to the saying, I, let's talk about ideas, let's talk about things, people are off the table. Yeah. And I think in a group, if, if you have a group, and one member of the group uh, does come in with uh, a lot of gossip or whatever, it can spoil an entire group. You know, it can change the whole ethos of that group. It can be a learning group or it can be a, a sewing group even, whatever it is. It kills it. It does. It 100%. Does you're bringing negative energy. Mm. And you're making us all activate the lowest, the, the, the bottom of our brains, our, our brainstem. Like you're, you're, you're resonating with the lowest part of our humanity, our neediness, our need to put people down. It's It's like... Instead of us bringing out our higher selves, talking about ideas, talking about, you know, transformation and growth, we're talking about somebody else. And besides the fact that that's something we could talk about after the break, 99% of the stuff we say about other people aren't even true. Mm. It might be based on truth, but interpretation is 99%. We're not saying what happened. We're saying why it happened and how we know it happened and what's really going on. How do you know that? Do you really know what's going on in other people? Mm. Not a chance. We do, and they don't have a chance to, to redeem themselves anyway. 100%. And um, are you telling us to hang on? Okay. <laughs> Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we are discussing fake news uh, social media and Loshan horror and many other things as well. Um, the Talmud says, who says your blood is redder than his? 
Uh, I love that saying. I mean, who says your blood is redder than his? That really does stop you in your tracks and make you think, well, can I run that person down? Do I have the right? I mean, you know, uh, it also looks at your biases, doesn't it? 100%. And something we have to really consider is what I want you to know my weakest moment some of us, our weakest moment, bad luck, was filmed on YouTube, and now everyone could see it. But I guarantee you, every single human being has had a moment that had it made it to YouTube, their life would have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. We all have a moment that had somebody else been looking, other than God, it would have destroyed us. And just like for ourselves, we give ourselves, we forgive ourselves for having those moments because we understand the human condition. We understand we were 16 year old and we were having a bad day or we were 35 years old and we had a bad business day and we came home and acted out our worst selves and maybe we're entitled, maybe we're not entitled, but that's who we are. And just like each and every one of us has those moments and we don't want it to go public, can we allow other people the dignity to make mistakes? You know, we love catching people out. I love it. Oh, that person said one thing. Let's bash them on Twitter and come all self-righteous. Really? Have you never shared a joke that you wish people don't quote? Have you never had a weak moment? Why this self-righteous ambition to smash all the evildoers of the world? We're going to take them down. Mm. Yes, there are certain evildoers. I mean, you know, like extreme corruption, Extreme uh, murder, etc. Child abuse. Child things. abuse. There's, there's room for that. But the self-righteousness. We caught the person saying one negative thing on Twitter. Let's all say amen and destroy this person's life. Why? <laughs> whoa, 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 one second. Since when did God choose you as his warrior for you to sit there defending his integrity in the world? Really? Should we start digging into your life? Would you appreciate that? Should we tell everybody how you talk to your wife at night? Should we see the way you treat your kid at two in the morning when he's having a tantrum for the fourth time? Should we have a video of your room? Should we then post it? Mm. Excuse me. Give each other the dignity to be human. Absolutely. I have to agree with you. And I, I must admit, I have seen a few people's reputations ruined because of it. But you know, that, that same Adam Weiss who, who, um, spoke about the polarization, uh, he also said in, in research that they did, he also found that when people were alerted to their biases, they became more aware. And a study done on Palestinians and Israelis known for their naive realism. Naive realism is a human tendency, which is to believe that we see the world around us objectively uh, and that people who disagree with us must be uninformed, irrational or biased, which is also the human condition. That's how we often think. But once this naive realism was pointed out to this group of Israeli and Palestinians, they became less hostile towards each other. So he says that the biggest danger isn't actually fake news. It's tribalism. And that's when he says, yeah, and that's when he says depolarization only occurs when someone has the courage to speak out against the tribe. A hundred percent. I was thinking about it this morning, irrelevant to the show. I was thinking back the way I saw certain things when I was 20 compared to now. And living in your cocoon. hundred percent. And and I was 20 years old. I was young. You know, the famous statement, if you're a communist, if you're not a communist by 20, you have no heart. If you're still a communist by 30, you have no brain. Um, <laughs> so like I saw the world, I was convinced it was right. And you couldn't argue with me mm-hmm. because I was convinced this person's a hypocrite and that person's that. And, and, and these people are, I shouldn't be listening to their ideas because they're not authentic. And just a few more years of life experience and the whole reality changes, even though the world is pretty much the same. We're convinced we see reality. We don't see reality because there is no such a thing as reality. I was going to say reality is so subjective. There is no such a thing as reality. Your reality is not my reality at all. 100%. I mean, even the way we're looking at each other, I see you, I see you one way. If you look at me, you see me another way, okay? Mm-hmm. I see you as a, a, a woman in my community. You see me as a rabbi in the community. We see age differences. That, but imagine I was your nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine we had a different relationship. Imagine we 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 knew each other for a longer time. We see each other differently. Mm-hmm. I see you in a certain way because our experiences together force me to see you a certain way. Well, don't see the wrinkles, please. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and the tr- I remember like it, it came clear but to it's me so when, true when that. people walk the streets in New York. I grew up in New York. I don't get wowed by the mount by the buildings. I don't even notice it. And I'm walking with a tourist, and they're seeing a different New York that I don't see. Mm. We're walking the same street, but they're seeing a different New York. It's it's like you know. Um, I've got this show, Bikurkulim Connections, and they were talking about some of the children who had seen the sea for the first time and their reaction to the sea. And I thought, you know, how amazing. My children have been brought up with the sea. So they don't see the wonder. I mean, you know, you say the brocha whenever you see the sea because of its wonder. Mm. But do we really realize that? And, and once again, you know, it's, it's, it's what's real to me and, and what's real to me. And you. reality doesn't exist. And that's the point mm. that we have to make it clear. Reality does not exist. It's, it's we true. all created in our minds. And if I'm colorblind, I'll see a very different reality. If I'm an architect or an engineer, I see a very different reality. If I'm a doctor or I'm an anthropologist and I'm looking at you, I'm seeing a very different you Mm. than if I'm totally inexperienced. And if we can accept that, that God designed a world in which 7 billion people see the world in their own way. And yes, there are certain things that are definitely wrong. Okay, if I see you as a monkey, then I'm totally wrong. And and, and, and if if, if I'm a racist, there's certain objective truths that we have to accept. But beyond that, if you think ketchup tastes good and I think it tastes bad and you like corn and I don't like corn, what's real? Mm, mm. And, you know, you saying that about uh, like a monkey, it's on social media. That's one thing that I have noticed, that it's very easy to label people, to actually use really ugly labels uh, for people that you are biased against. And I think... It showed up very much so in the American uh, elections, uh, the biases, the racism that still is there all the time. It's been exposed, certainly, and, and it's coming to the fore where it's been pretty much they've tried to hide it before. It, certainly it is coming out now. But um, the the words used to describe feelings are often very vicious on, on that. I don't think you would say it if you were face-to-face with someone. The truth is, more and more people are feeling comfortable to say it's face-to-face. Um, it's because I don't see you as human. I mean, one of the things, I'm sorry to take it to the extreme, one of the things the Nazis' minds, how are they so successful in getting relatively normal society to become mass murderers, is to dehumanize the other person. Mm-hmm. The second you dehumanize, you're not killing a person. You're just killing vermin. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that genocide never starts by genocide. It always starts by dehumanizing. When I see you in a certain way, and that's why I always can't stand the fact that for some people, the mere fact I'm Jewish implies something if they're an anti-Semite. The mere fact I'm a man, the mere fact I'm white the mere fact I'm an American, it implies some. Why does it imply anything to you? Why are you hating me simply on the, who I am? I didn't choose my color. I didn't choose my gender. I didn't even choose my religion. Mm. And you're hating me for what? And what happens is we're s- when hatred is so base, it's so it's not it's not based on anything. You don't even know what I stand for before you hate me, mm. and you still hate you. The human being have lost basic understanding of what it means to be a human being and that is we are all creating the image of God we're all good enough we all deserve love can we debate ideas from today to tomorrow but don't hate me and I won't hate you for who you are mm-hmm. that is such a strong point it really is what about um, criticizing ourselves I mean it's one thing about saying we dislike someone else because they're this or that or the next thing what does the Torah say or the Talmud say about actually finding fault with ourselves. So there's a great statement of someone that one time walked into a Hasidic master and he was bashing himself. Rabbi, I'm this and I'm a that and I'm that. And he said, you know, just like there's a sin to say Lashon Hara about others, there's a sin to say Lashon Hara about us. Now, now Lashon Hara is, uh, uh, sorry, Lashon Hara translated is negative speech. Negative speech. Now, let's be very clear because this is something we just spoke about a moment ago. There's nothing wrong with criticizing an action. If something wrong was done, if you hit, saw somebody beat somebody up, that is evil. But to now judge the person and say that person is malicious, that's a leap. Mm. L- the problem is not that we talk about what it, what was done wrong. 
oh, I saw something negative happen. If you say that without saying who it happened to, then it's okay because you're talking about a case study. The problem is we now label the person. So if we label ourselves, it's as, it's bad. as bad. I understand. I, there's a difference between say, saying I did something idiotic and I'm an idiot. Very often when we catch, catch ourselves doing something, we say, I'm such an idiot. No, you're not. Or a ch- you'll hear a child say, I'm so stupid. 100%. And, yeah. And I'm so silly and I'm so this. Or you're such a this. You're so mean. I could do mean things. We've all done mean things. But I'm now mean? Have I entered the definition? Have I now become the noun? The problem is that we take a, take it from a verb and turn it into a noun. Instead of saying, I did something mean, I am mean. Instead of, I um, did something stupid, I am stupid. Mm. And the second we connect people with their actions within ourselves or within others, we destroy the the core of what the human being is, and that is the ability to have redemption, to change, to transform. I'm not mean. I do mean things. I maybe ha- I have a tendency to, but I can overcome it because I never become 100% corruptible. And I'm always open to choice. I'm always open to choice. choice. Mm. And I think that's very important. You know, the other thing that I have noticed, I was watching a group of children the other day, and um, they they use quite a bit of facial, uh, this is when they are interacting, obviously, with each other, not on social media. And I noticed, like, one of the girls was really irritating some of the other girls, and they were rolling their eyes, like, you know, like... The, the eye roller. The eye roller, yeah, or... The, the pulled down mouth, you know. Now, in actual fact, would you say that that is lost and horror? That is negative. So, so there's as well? a very, very interesting verse. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll quote the verse from Genesis. Mm-hmm. It, when Jacob is talking about his two children, Shimon and Levi, at the end of his life, and he's talking about how their anger killed people. That's when they killed the whole city of Shechem. He uses the word kibaapam hargu ish. They killed people with their anger. But there was an interesting commentary that says the word apam doesn't only mean anger, it means a nose. Oh. And they say that with their nose, they kill the person. I mean, just making, you know, like, mm, uh. like just going, you know, picking up your nose and going a wink with your nose, you can kill a person. Lashon Hara is not talking. Gossip isn't talking. You, you roll your eyes, you can destroy your self-esteem. And we've all been in that situation that we just, you know, one person doesn't find us interesting or this and that, and they, they, they look at the other person and it can or destroy they sh- you. They shrug their and sometimes it could or... be much meaner than a word. It's because true. it's so subtle. It's so cynical. It's so condescending. Mm. Mm. No, I have to agree with you because just watching this group, and I saw the one child who was kind of being targeted, um, I saw her, she was definitely aware that the eyes were going up and that she was being targeted a bit, you know. So um, uh, I, I, I have to agree with you about the non-verbal lotion horror. It is definitely there. You know what I'll say in today in the world of emojis? Even the wrong emoji can be lotion horror. So let's say, you know, you're talking on a family group and someone says about something else that somebody did and you you make an emoji that's condescending, you know, the one with the teeth. <laughs> Uh, or the one with the closing its eyes, the yeah, little monkey closing yeah, his eyes. Or hashtag, <laughs> I didn't see that. Or, that's, it's the same thing. It's like it could be just one little smile, and it's it's you could totally destroy a human being. My children laugh at me because I, you know, the the thumbs up sign. I like to put it in all colors just to show that we're very multiracial. <laughs> So that's what I do with them. But, you know, um, a friend of mine in uh, Judy, I know she's listening in in Australia. Uh, we're going to hopefully be playing one of her songs at the end of the show. But she, I sent her an SMS once, which was warning me against certain uh, things on uh, uh, to be aware of. Rule of thumb, 99% of them are baloney. That's exactly what she said. <laughs> she sent back a message to say, look, don't send them on. Check first if there are. You can go on to Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S dot com. I don't know if you know that. Or Hoax Slayer uh, dot com. 
and um, to see if it's true or false. Or otherwise, you can actually Google by putting in like uh, there's a, there there you can find hoax websites, and all you do is you put in one little line of whatever it is, and it will tell you immediately if it's so false. It's very or not. interesting. Besides the fact that most of the stuff is baloney, and it's almost like you see a pattern of certain people that are always the first ones to forward this new crisis. Did you hear this armed robbers doing this? Are you like this is from 1882? Besides that, why do we have to be the first ones to share negative news? I remember one time somebody passed away in my community and it was like a big piece of news. It was a young person and it was like, and I was young and immature and I ran over to someone and I said, did you hear, you know, Chaim Yankel passed away. And he obviously said, you know, blesses the Baruch Dayan Emet, blesses the true judge. But he said, Levi, don't be the first one to rush to share bad news. Ah. And and that stuck with me. And like sometimes, like we want to be the we want to be the news cycle. We want to be the savior of the world. And yes, some certain news should be shared. But do we always have to be the first? Do we have to be the one that sits there saying this person died and that person that and that? Per-? Like, like it's almost like we're desperate to be the center of attention. And yes, there's no gossip in saying, you know, that person was arrested and that that kid was kicked out of school. Maybe there is gossip. Maybe there isn't. Why do we always have to be the source of negative information? Mm-hmm. Why do I, have, you know, why is it the same person always telling me about the new gangsters on the road and the new, the new policemen and the fake policemen and the this and that? Always the same person? Why are you so desperate to be that information share? Now, I, I, I must admit, until I got this the message from her saying, don't send them on, I felt I had a responsibility to warn people, you know, about there's hijacking here or at the airport or whatever, you know, and um, that's what I felt. And then my daughter, my one daughter who's living in Israel, her Apple ID and mine got muddled up. So all her contacts got onto my telephone. And all of a sudden I got these messages back saying, what are you talking about? And I realized, and I thought, well, who are these from? I didn't, re- there were people I didn't recognize the names anyway. And a lot of the names came up written in Hebrew, you know. So I thought, what on earth have I done here? Until I realized that actually, you know, I was sending to all Shira's group as well. <laughs> so the point is not to be so desperate to be the source of information. And it's something that we all struggle with. You know, some of us have a personality. We like being the center of attention whether it's our own insecurities, whether we're extroverted, whatever it is, but to always ask yourself, am I compromising people? You know, like, before I share that piece of information, is that that important? Will it make people feel good about the day or bad about the day? Mm-hmm. Like, even about what's going on in South Africa, we can, yes, it is important that there's a news media that tells us everything that's bad, but is it a mitzvah every single morning to go and look at the front cover of all those newspapers uh, that they post on Louis Botha and to sit there saying, gosh, our world's going to the dogs? Or can you sit there saying, I don't have to know all the negative news because there's a lot of good news as well and I choose to be in a good ad space. Mm-hmm. Is it important to know some of what's going on? Yes. Is it a mitzvah to know every single negative thing about this world? No. This world isn't perfect. And knowing that it isn't perfect is not a mitzvah. That means I don't have to know all its imperfections. I have to keep an optimism. And therefore, before I forward something on WhatsApp, let me ask myself the question. Will it make people's day or will it hurt people's day? Mm-hmm. So it, it, we actually have a responsibility Absolutely. to work on relationships more, don't we? I mean, if you, you know, as you say, driving down Louisburg, we can very easily uh, label who, you know, whatever's going on as this crowd is doing this, this crowd is doing that, you know, and and kind of feel that uh, we're the saints here. 100%. Whereas we're far from it. So actually our responsibility is whoever we meet that day, we have a responsibility to make sure that we greet them and with with dignity, that we, we face everybody with dignity, ourselves and others. 100%. The self-righteousness that's permeating society is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying our government are saints. Believe me, and please God, democracy wins today and, and, the, and the, the country goes in its right course. But the vitriol that people have sometimes is beyond just loving honesty and integrity. It's personal, it's mean, mm. and it's self-righteous. Mm. And we have to make sure before we sit there bashing other people, really? Okay, maybe that person's corrupt with billions, and it's true. Are you corrupt with your money? Are you honest? Are you charitable? Are you kind? You know, so it's very easy to bash the billionaire and say they don't give charity. When was the last time you gave charity? Mm. What percent of your money do you give to charity? 
It's very nice to talk about, oh, you heard that billionaire doesn't take care of his brother, his brother's on the streets. Do you care about your brother? What happens when your brother-in-law is struggling financially? Are you calling up and saying, here's 20 grand in your bank account because I care about you? The point is, it is so easy to be self-righteous, to talk about why she got divorced from him for the third time and why this and, and open up People Magazine or whatever other tabloids there are and judge and cuck and get all involved with all the n- nonsense of other people's lives. Really? And your life? Are you the paragon of purity? So we have to always question ourselves. Rabbi Afton and I would like uh, to know if you have any questions for us um, on three. Um, just hang on a sec. You can SMS us on 34519 or you can uh, WhatsApp us on 0621482374. We have a few WhatsApps. We have a few WhatsApps. Would you like to read that one out, please, Rabbi? Uh, hi, Rabbi. Uh, sorry, hi. A person told me a secret and asked me not to repeat it, so I only told everyone once. Anthony, I guess that's self-explanatory. <laughs> and the other comment is, when we feel unhappy about ourselves, we derive a distorted comfort from speaking about others. Absolutely. Um, and that's why Jonathan used three arrows to inform David that Saul wanted to kill David, when Jonathan only used one to indicate that reporting King Saul was lush and kills three people. That's a very, very interesting insight. Okay, that means when, he's, when he, you, you mentioned that Lashonar kills three people, and that's yes. why in the story with Jonathan and David, when he wanted to inform David that his father was out to get him, he said, I'll send three arrows. In other words, that his, his father's soul believed the gossip, and therefore he killed three people, himself, the, the person that told it to him, and David. Wow. And that's why also I think, doesn't it say somewhere that it's Lashonar is worse than um, murder and... Um, adultery and what was the other one? Ad- adultery. Uh, sorry, yeah, ad- uh, adultery and adultery. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for those. Please keep them coming in. That's great. Um, we've got to. Uh, DJ is showing me, <laughs> and so is Rabbi. We've got to break for a moment. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is one hundred one point nine High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and our show is going very quickly. We're talking about fake news and Loshan horror, and as usual, when you and I are together, we we definitely it flows. I think Thank very you. well. Thank you so much for being here. There are a few questions. One is, when is it okay to warn someone about another person? Sorry, just hang on. Um, yeah. Okay. When Sorry, that okay? was a bit of when it's there, there's a lot of technicalities in halacha. There's a beautiful sefer from the Chavetz Chaim. But just, the basic... can I just say that question again because oh, the music came in a minute? And when is it okay to warn someone about another person if it's going to harm their life? For example, if they're dating somebody and you know that that person is not good for them, has a personality disorder, is difficult, etc., um, violent, then you have a mitzvah. If the person's about to go into business with that person and you know that the person's not trustworthy, basically to protect somebody from the other person's weaknesses, then it's actually a mitzvah to share the information with honesty and integrity. But if you know something that can hurt person B through person C, you have to tell person B about person C. Uh, Otherwise, you're being accomplice in the crime. So it's quite a fine line, though, isn't there? A lot of delicacy, a mm. lot of subtlety, and a lot of truth to oneself. Mm. I had a, a case that my, my cousin of mine was about to date somebody who had a very iffy record. It wasn't like there was something in his past that was very uncomfortable. And I actually called my uncle. I, I told my father, I said, tell my uncle that if she goes ahead, I'm going to call her and tell her everything that she needs to know. I, I spoke to a rabbi before this and I said, because I will not allow my cousin to marry this person. It's not healthy for her. She's setting herself up for life. But that was because she was about to date this guy and she might have, you know, who knows what things would end up. But that's an extreme scenario. Mm. Most of the time, it's very gray, and therefore we need to consult a person wiser than us at times. And we have to always, you know, be very cautious. Uh, yes, I think so. The caution is probably the the biggest thing. Um, you know, uh, sometimes we, it also says that sometimes we don't consciously listen to gossip, and yet we read it or we watch it on TV, um, and that's a choice we make. 
uh, actually watching it on TV. So what about reading about gossip and watching it on TV and reality shows? So someone want them to, first of all, reality shows, in my opinion, are, <laughs> there's no legitimacy to watch it. It's so fake and it's so authentic and the only way people pick themselves up is by putting down others. But I would say, just like we're so serious, many of us, about what food we eat, whether it is kosher or not kosher or whether we're, di- we're a vegetarian or whether we're on diet, we're very conscious about the food we put into our system. We have to be very conscious about the information we put into our head and the feelings we put into our heart. Mm -hmm. There are kosher feelings and non-kosher feelings. There are kosher ideas and non-kosher ideas. And before we sit there going to watch the movie or watching the whatever thing on TV, we have to ask ourselves, is this information that is kosher for my brain? Will it, is it healthy? Mm -hmm. Is it vegetarian? Is it, is it, healthy? Is it going to make my brain heavy and overweight with nonsense or is it going to keep it light and healthy? Mm. And we're, we're way too discerning about the stuff we eat compared to the stuff we think and feel. Because honestly, the biggest killer in today's world is not food. It's stress. And stress is very much what we think and what we feel. And we have to be super cautious about what we allow to download into our mind. I think that is such, those are such wise words because, you know, once, once a bias enters your mind or, or a thought uh, of negativity and a lot of fake news, um, is around fear, suspicion, anger, divisiveness. And once that enters your brain, it's very hard to actually remove it. Because it's there. So the next bit of news that comes in to you, it almost feeds, taps into what you already are thinking. I had this perfect example. It was a few weeks ago. I was somewhere, you know, and I was at a lecture. And the person gave a very decent lecture. But the person sitting next to me right after the lecture said, gosh, that was so long and boring. And I just watched myself. The next person who approached me about the lecture, I ended up saying, gosh, that was long. I didn't feel uh. it was long until that person told me it was long. Mm. And that now painted my narrative. Now, that's a small little thing. But ultimately, if the first thing you ever heard about me was, gosh, this young, this young rabbi whippersnapper thinks you know, <laughs> he, he knows everything, chances are for the rest of my life and the rest of our relationship, I would have to disprove something that I didn't even know I had to disprove because that was your original bias. And, and then we've got to go into counter-narratives. 100%. So I mm. always say the best thing is don't overestimate me and don't underestimate me. Mm. Because in either case, I have to defend something I'm not. Mm. Or I have to prove you I'm something I'm not. And to look at ourselves and to look at others and say, don't, don't overestimate, don't, don't underestimate. Oh, wow. We have some wow, more Wow, we've comments. got some more. Just pass that here a moment, please, DJ. I think that's from Australia, no? Oh, a, a four-way test I've read. That's Is it. it truth? I think the, the, the start with the one below it. Okay. Nope. No questions because you've covered the topic so beautifully. Just to say thank you to your bo- you both. Great. Thank you for that. And then this one, a four-way test I've read is, is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill? And will it be beneficial to all concerned? Wow. That's quite a way to ask us. That is a lot too. That's very profound. Yeah, very. Uh, Thank you so much for those. Rabbi, you know what? It's already 10 too. Can you believe it? But uh, there was one other thing I wanted to say to you. This, the, you know, Donald Trump is so much in the news. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and I know you have a different take on, on what's actually happening in America. Now, you know, so much of what's, uh, I mean, he definitely is the one who's, who, who's on and on and on about fake news. And yet you sort of wonder, you know, where's fake news coming from? But you have a different take on it about what it's actually done to America. And you once said that you felt that it had opened up a lot. You don't, you know, he is there and he's there for a reason. We don't know what it is. But that um, he is bringing a different conversation, conversation yeah, a I, narrative again, a different narrative. A hundred percent. Each each generation or each year or two, our conversation changes. And sometimes you have these radical characters that come and hopefully they don't do too much damage as they do, but they force humanity to have a conversation. So whether the conversation is about immigration and globalism and um, kindness to strangers and whether it is what's the what's the dangers of liberalism and the dangers of conservatism and, and, and how polarized we are and name bashing and fake news, 
it's forcing a lot of conversations to the forefront. And here's the one thing that every community and every person has to realize and every group of people. If you don't have the conversations when they're the beginning, you'll have it much nastier later on. If you don't listen to the critical mass when they're starting, like honestly, even this whole story with the corruption now and what's going on in South Africa, this has been going on for years. Mm. And now, slowly but surely, it's reaching ahead. And now the government party might lose a lot more than had they addressed it years ago because then they would come across as people that had integrity. Now they've lost so much integrity in the eyes of people and they undid themselves. Mm. So here's the rule of thumb. The world is, the arch of the history goes towards goodness. Mm. And unless we're willing to address issues at the beginning, we will have those radical characters and those loudmouths and those people that make us very uncomfortable who will bring to the forefront all the dirt and all the nonsense that we thought we could keep under. So it's the role of leaders and good people otherwise to have the conversations before that so that we can build healthy societies and not have to reach the boiling point when we realize, gosh, we've gone too far. And almost go into the dark web. Uh, amen. Absolutely. Um, next week on the show, I have got Vanda Kraus coming to talk about uh, uh, the story of her life, which is incredibly interesting. And um, I have really enjoyed today. I think we can go on for a little bit longer because um, at the, there was one thing that I actually wanted to say to you. Uh, just wait a minute. It was one other question. I, I know you love questions. Um, uh, uh, humor. That's, That's fake right. news. I don't like questions. That's fake news. <laughs> Sorry about that one. <laughs> you know, um, what about humor? Um, I know that my husband often says that to, to pretend that you're being funny about someone in a derogatory manner is actually is worse because humor can get out of hand. So you can be joking with somebody and the joke can go too far. You know, you can say to somebody they're, they're whatever, you know, uh, look muscle man or something like that. And then from there it goes on to something else. And so I'll share what I mentioned Lubavitcher Rebbe earlier. He's in very, he's pretty much the biggest role model in my life. And one of the things was he actually had a quite a sense of humor. If you read his writings and you listen to his talks, but one thing the Rebbe was a genius at was never talking about people. He could be humorous about a situation. He could be humorous about the human condition and the human excuses, but never about people. Not only about humor, but in any area. Don't talk about people. The Rebbe spent the documented 11,000 hours hmm. talking in public. That's a lot of hours. Not once did he talk about a specific person. He always spoke about the condition, the, the ideology, agree, disagree. Keep people out of it. And that's the problem. Humor is too easy to make fun of people or to be gross mm. and naughty. But that's not real humor. That's just cheap. You're uh, Once again, you're going to the lowest part of the brainstem, the brainstem and you're just making people laugh at the dumbest, silliest things. True humor is laugh at the human condition. Mm. Laugh at, a, a, you know, a, a community shtick. But don't laugh at people. Mm. Because that is gossip. It's wrong. It's putting ourselves up on somebody else's expense. And it's very cruel. It really is. And you know, Rabbi, being a, a leader, as you are, you're also, I think, even more open to to uh, people criticizing, oh, judging. Course. And, you know, it's a very difficult role to take and on And I always tell people, role. I say, criticize as much as you want, but keep me out of it. Criticize an action. Mm. That means I think that was wrong. And let's talk about that. Mm. But well, the give me something say, positive but the to work say, on. I am wrong. I am a mistake. Mm. I can't defend that. Mm. And where's the? It's certainly not constructive criticism, is it? No. You know, if somebody, if I'm prepared to accept it. If someone's prepared to give me an idea of how to improve, we're going to be ending with Judy Urig and uh, Wendy Fine's song "Make the World a Better Place." And that's one thing I'd like to end with. Thank you so much, Rabbi Afsan, for being on this show. Let's make the world a better place, one word at a time. And we will be back at 1 o'clock with Fabrengen. We <laughs> will. Rabbi Afsan will be back again at 1 o'clock for Fabrengen. And please listen in. He is good to hear.